tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. There's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. I got stuff today. It's just great. I'm, oh. Sounds like you're going to sell us something. Well, I'm going to sell you my harebrained theory. Was that live, dear voice in my head? Yes, I'm, no, 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 I'm giving it away for free. That's what they all say when they're selling something. Well, that said, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit. They shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the faith by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And O Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. I think. Remember what Our Lady said at Fatima. Pray the rosary for peace. We're not done yet. All right, let's open the big book on the coffee table. No, no, no. Open it to a page or two earlier. I want to talk about yesterday's reading. It's great. Matthew twenty-two fifteen to 21. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians. Who were the Herodians? I think they were that small group of people, and nobody really knows, but I, I think the suspicion is they were uh, those people who were allied with the government of the Herods. Remember, it was the Herod family. Think of Herod as the last name. There was, there was Herod the Great uh, and his children, Herod Antipas and Herod Philip and Herod this and Herod that. You can't keep them straight unless you think of Herod as the last name. So the Herodians were people who were in league with the ruling family. Uh, that was in collaboration with the Romans. And the point being that if Jesus uh, said something revolutionary, well, (laughs) the government would hear about it. So they brought the Herodians. If Jesus said something that was too Roman and not kosher, well, the Pharisees would have heard. They had him. So, teacher, you're a truthful man. (laughs) And you teach the way of of God in accordance with the truth. You're not concerned with anyone's opinion. For you do not regard a person's status. Tell us, is it, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? In other words, if they said, yes, you should pay tax to Caesar, that he would offend all of the nationalists. If he said, no, he would offend the government. They had him. They were going to ruin his popularity or get him arrested. He says, why are you testing me, you play actors? Remember, that's what hypocrite means. Show me the coin that pays the tax. So they handed him the Roman coin. Isn't that interesting? They handed him the coin. You see, when they handed him a coin, he had him. He had him dead to rights because on Roman coins, there was the graven image of the emperor. 
And then on the obverse side, there would have been a Roman god. I mean, the 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 pain, the the, uh, the coin with which the the temple tax was paid actually had which god was it? It was Baal. Oh, I forget which Baal it was. It was one of the one of the Canaanite Baals. Uh, it was the uh, Melkart. It was Melkart, the god of the Sidonians, because it was pure silver. So you can't use you can't use uh, a coin. You can't have a graven image, but if you're going to have an image of of Melkart uh, in in uh, your pocket, well, that's different because <laughs> that's real negotiable. No, no, it's Melkart, Melkart, which means uh, Melk means king. Uh, at any rate, let's get back to this here. So <clears throat> they hand him the coin, which has uh, so these Pharisees, these devout Pharisees, are carrying around a graven image of a Roman emperor and a graven image of a Roman god. Now the emperors were not yet really worshipped; they weren't worshipped until Claudius. Claudius was made a god in some distant place, and after that, the 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 emperors were routinely divinized. Okay, well. They said, well, whose image and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. In other words, the coin ultimately belonged to Caesar. The coins in your pocket, (laughs) I'm sure you're painfully aware of this, actually belonged to the government. I remember when we were kids pitching pennies, there was this cop who had nothing better to do in the little town I grew up in as a free-range child. Um, He would would threaten to arrest us because we were defacing government property by, by, by pitching pennies on the sidewalk. He didn't keep his job too long, but um, technically he was right. We, you know, there was government property. So this was Caesar's coinage. Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You can go, it belongs to him because his image is on it. And to God, what belongs to God. What is the coinage of God? In his own image, he made them. Male and female, he made them. We return the coinage of God by reverencing God's presence in all the people we meet, rich, poor, and everything in between. You know, that's what we did at the soup kitchen back at St. Thomas. We honored the image of God. We weren't feeding feeding street people. We were honoring the image of God, which was, in many of those cases, uh, uh, just smeared over with mental illness or with addictions or different, different moral and psychological problems. And... But the image of God was still there underneath all of that layering of dreck. So render to Caesar what is Caesar's. We live in the state. We should be good citizens unless the government wants us to do something that is immoral. Um, We render to, to Caesar what is Caesar's. But to God what belongs to God. The reverence and the kindness and the thoughtfulness with which you treat the people you meet be it the fellow who packs your bags or parks your car or, uh, uh, you know, when we meet great and famous wealthy people, our reaction to them should be the same as our reaction to the poorest that we meet. And uh, I've only known a few people who could do that. And uh, Francis George, I think, was certainly one of them. So render to God what belongs to God. Now, I'm cheating by talking about that reading from yesterday, but it kind of moves into today's reading. We're talking in the letter of the Romans about uh, about the problem of faith and works. The reformers read this and decided that the Bible said you're not saved by works. Therefore, you can't work your way into heaven. Therefore, it doesn't matter if you are good. And that's the extreme position. Uh, one of the reformers said it doesn't matter if you commit adultery 100 times and murder twice as much. If you're saved, you're saved. That idea of, of the... the uh, 
immutability of salvation, once saved, always saved, comes from that idea that I don't have to do anything to be saved. Somehow, well, you can look at Scripture and say that's true, but it just somehow flies in, in the face uh, of reason. Uh, you know, and, and if we look at people talk about faith, say by faith alone, you know, Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone. Well, the only place that the Scripture says, uses the phrase faith alone, is in the letter of St. James, James 2.24. As you can see, a man is not considered righteous. Uh, a, man, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And he's quoting the same text St. Paul is quoting. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was called the friend of God. As you can see, man is justified by his deeds. Uh, and, and But then we read in, in St. Paul's letter to the Romans what amounts to the opposite. What's going on here? They're not opposite at all. When you understand, and I've said this a couple times in the, over the past week, and I think it's important to hear, uh, there is a Dead Sea Scroll called Some Works of the Law. What do you do? The question is, can the uncleanness of a clay bowl that's been polluted leap up a stream of water and, and pollute a clay jar from which water is being poured into an unclean bowl? The Dead Sea, uh, the Dead sea sectaries, we'll call them politely, said yes. The Pharisees said no. See, there's, there's a great argument about this. <clears throat> the scroll ends, and these are some works of the law. So a work of the law is this ritual prescription. What Paul is saying is those ritual prescriptions <clears throat> may be important, but they won't save you. Uh, you're not saved by works of the law. And whenever you see St. Paul saying you're not saved by works, look closely in its context or in what it says clearly, it's works of the law. So, well, what is St. Uh, what's, what's the problem? I mean, how, it was reckoned to him as righteous? As righteousness, how can how can believing be be credited? You know, he was empowered by faith and was fully convinced that God, what God had promised, he was able to do. That's why it was credited to him as righteousness. It, it's also for us to whom it will be credited, who believe in the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So, in other words, all we have to do is believe, and it's credited to us. That's easy. Oh, not at all, friends. Not at all. Let me pull this up here. Um, the word for credited, I should look it up. It's logidzis. I'm sure that's it. I'm absolutely sure. I think probably, maybe. And it's a fascinating word. Yeah, it's logisthai. It's from the same word as logos. Logos is one of the biggest words in Greek. It's, it's, uh, it means a thousand things. It means to count, to number, to, to, to conclude, to suppose, um, it, it can mean all sorts of things. Um, how could Abraham's believing be credited to him as righteousness? Well, I tell you constantly, to believe doesn't mean simply, oh yeah, I'm of that opinion. In modern English, when I say believe, it means I believe it will rain. I'm of the opinion it will rain. It has nothing to do with your opinion. It has everything to do with what you actually do. St. Paul says in the second chapter of the letter of the Romans that we will be judged according to our deeds, our works. 
The word is erga, same word used in the phrase works of the law. St. Paul is Saint Paul is contradicting himself, if you don't understand what it means. And I have seen translations that say deeds. It's The word is works. St. Paul says that, that um, <clears throat> we will be judged by our works. Let me pull that up. Uh, it's in Romans, the second chapter. Uh, I'm quite sure. Okay. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Okay. Oh dear. Well, I don't have it. They're just talking about it. It's in it's in Romans uh Bible verse. We were judged Good by our grief. works. Ah. Oh, no. well, it's in Revelations. It's, it's it's in Romans too. It's it's there. Trust me. Never trust anyone who says trust me. Uh so uh, but, but the word the word is ergon or it means work. We get ergonomics from it in English. So what's going on here? That that we need to look at the letter to the Hebrews, which no one thinks is written by St. Paul, but I think it may have been because it's dealing with the same problem. You know, Abraham was asked to do something horrendous to kill his own son. Why would God ask that of him? And why would Abraham say, okay? In fact, as the rabbis say in the text, Sarah dies shortly after this, the rabbis say that Sarah died of a broken heart uh, after what Abraham threatened to do to Isaac. But, um, and mind you, Isaac was not a little kid. He was old enough to carry enough wood up a, a hill to burn a human body. And the rabbis say that if you towed up all the numbers, he was 33, the same age as Christ when Christ laid down his life. But this this horrendous uh, thing that God asked Abram to do and that Abram was willing to do, how could he do that? Well, you, you get, don't get the answer until you get the letter to the Hebrews. Because Abraham turns and says to the hired men, we will return. He's riffing off that verse that, that God, he knew that if God required this of him, he would restore Isaac to him by resurrection because God had promised through Isaac will your, <clears throat> will your descendants be, be, be reckoned. He, he knew that God could raise him from the dead, and so he was willing to take that risk. He believed God. What does believe mean? How often do I tell you it means trust? He trusted God. And if you do nothing, you are not trusting. Abraham did a work that to which he was called by trusting God. God said, Abraham, do you trust me? Then I want you to go up that mountain with the boy. Muh? Yeah. You see, it, Abraham was not saved by a work of the law. And the linchpin to this uh, is in... Uh, uh, is in Micah, the the, the prophet Micah, <clears throat> Micah six eight, where we read, uh, "He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, uh, to do to work justice and to love, and and to love mercy." The word for mercy is Chesed. Chesed is translated uh, mercy, loving kindness. It can be translated even grace or work. Rabbi Lefkowitz told me what Hesed is, is more than the law requires. Has it ever occurred to you Abraham could not have followed the law of Moses because Moses came centuries after Abraham? Now, Orthodox Jews feel that Moses, that Abraham received a special dispensation and knew the law instinctively. Maybe that was true. I don't find it in the scriptures. But Abraham did not obey the law 
the 613 commandments of the law. Certainly he obeyed the Ten Commandments because those are built into us. Those are natural law. But those other 603 commandments about not eating meat and milk together and not wearing a garment that has wool and cotton in it and all those strictures of the law and the sacrificial order, he didn't obey them because they did not yet exist in history. He did more than the law required. And so it's clear that he was saved by what he did. He was justified by what he did. That's what it means to trust. If you trust God and you do what God says to do, you will become godly. Righteousness, don't forget the way I, the strange way I define righteousness. And I think I'm correct about this. Righteousness is not just being right when everyone else is wrong or not just being moral when everyone else is immoral. Righteousness is allowing the very nature of God to take hold of you. And what is the righteousness of God? There is truth, and there is fairness, and there is an impartiality, but there is mercy, and there is generosity and kindness. So the character of God, which we find in Christ, perfectly in Christ, if we do what God asks us, we will become like him. How does a child become like his father? By seeing him and seeing what he does. Jesus became a carpenter because he watched Joseph in his trade of, of carpentry and building and so on. So we do what God asks us to do and we become like him. We become righteous. So trust leads to righteousness. And trust, however, is not trust without works. So James and Paul do not contradict each other at all. Paul is saying exactly what James is saying, is that works of the law are not enough, that what we must do is the good deeds that God has prepared. Remember what St. Paul says, he has prepared good deeds for us that we might walk in them. Our halakhic law, the word halakhic means, halakha is the, the, it means it's from the verb to walk in Hebrew. And, and the Torah tells you how you should walk in the world. You know, that you don't do this, you don't do that. You stay away from the Gentiles. This custom will keep you away from the Gentiles. Stay pure, stay stay, stay Israelite. Well, we no longer walk after the law. We walk after the Messiah, who is the law come to life. We walk after Jesus, and he's prepared good works for us, that we might walk in them. We are not made godly by walking in the 603 strictures of the law. We are made godly by walking after Jesus the Messiah, even when it, he wants us to go up a mountain and sacrifice something very dear to us. Now, since then, God has not required the sacrifice of our children. We do not sacrifice our children. In fact, is the modern world loves to sacrifice children, mostly to the God of wealth and luxury and pleasure. They do it by the sacrament of abortion, which is the sacrament of the left. Um, <clears throat> we don't do that. We no longer sacrifice children because God the Father has sacrificed his only begotten Son for us. But God asked this of Abraham. Do you trust me? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Well, go up the mountain with your son. It's a lot to ask. But Abraham trusted God, and thus he discovered the truth of God's mercy and love. All right. Enough said. Let us go to a break, and we will return, God willing, with letters. Oh, our phone number, 888-914-9147. 
Is that right? No, 9149. Don't dial 9147. It's probably a pizza parlor. 888-914-9149. You'd think after all these years I'd remember that. 888-914-9149. Welcome back. Uh, be- but before we go to letters, I want to make an, I want to make you an offer. If you have real estate or land you no longer need, consider the advantages of donating it to Relevant Radio. The process is easy, and the tax advantages can be huge. Learn more at relevantradio.com/property. That's relevantradio.com/property. Why give it to the government? That's my mind. never mind. Let's move along to 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 letters. That's that's. Much more terra firma here. Okay. Now, moving along, I had a letter. Hold on. I got to click that, and I got to go there. All right. This is uh, from Daniel. 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 Uh, it's a gospel from, oh, it's four days ago. So in today's gospel, meaning four days ago, Jesus states that this generation will be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world. Is that truly just? Is this a fulfillment of the law, which states that God will punish the children of those who hate him? No, I don't think it's that. I think the the the, the important word here is prophet. You see, the message of the prophets doesn't die with them. And they they will that generation will be charged with the blood of the prophets because they're still not hearing the message of the prophets. And we will be charged... <clears throat> With the, the, I believe, I, you know, I mean, the world is in real peril at this moment. Did anybody hear what the Blessed Mother said at Fatima? Now, I know it's a private revelation, but I think it was significant. You know, she asked for repentance from those sins that so offended the Sacred Heart of Jesus and her Immaculate Heart. And, of course, we've repented. Yeah, right. Halloween, which used to be a celebration of All Souls Day, has become this body erotic orgy. Um, we haven't listened to the words of Fatima at all. Few people have. So, you know, I was just thinking that, that, that in this time, perilous time, we need to make sure we're saying the rosary. And, you know, I, I always talk about how it's a, it's a powerful spiritual weapon in spiritual warfare. But our Blessed Mother wants us to remember to pray for peace in the rosary. So you can do both at once. So I, I just really believe that, 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 that we are responsible for the blood of the prophets because they were prophets. And we've not heard their message. That's what Jesus is saying to his contemporaries. So there you go. I hope that helps, Daniel. Okay, let me click on this and then go over to this nice computer here. Um, oi, all right. Um, oh, oh, we, we, we got a, a kind of little praise report here. Uh, this, uh, this is um, Joanne, uh, who's thanking us for our prayers for her aunt and who has improved greatly. So I'm delighted to hear that. All right. Now this one is from Chris, dear father Simon, while reflecting on God creating Adam with soil from the earth by his hand, when we are resurrected from our dust, possibly God hand, God hands create us. We are created by God directly, not by being humanly conceived. Only God creates perfection. That's an interesting idea that, 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 um, Adam was made for the dust of the earth, and, well, we will be remade and resurrected from, well, what the world thinks is dust. There you go. That's interesting. All right. This is from Dylan. Today I discovered the doxology from the King James Version of Matthew 6.13 has been removed from several modern translations. Are you able to explain this phenomenon? Yes. 
because the dexology was in the Byzantine Codex and uh, not in uh, which, oh, I get my codexes confused. The ancient, the, you got to understand that, again, I, I've said this, but I will say it again. We forget that the copying of manuscripts was very difficult before Gutenberg, around 1500. And it was still difficult because you still had a human being setting the type. When the Xerox, the dry, the, the, the copier, the dry copier was invented, or even the, the mimeograph machine, remember those? You know, he's smelled fun, funny when you pass them down the, the line when you got a mimeograph sheet from your teacher. I digress. But before, before that, we didn't have an exact way to copy things. That everything was filtered through a human brain, even printed stuff, because uh, um, you know, if the copyist, you know, the person who was doing the typesetting got it wrong, uh, um, then the copy was wrong. Now imagine you've got the actual copy of Luke's gospel in front of you, the actual copy, and you are going to copy it letter for letter for letter. And you just, you're so excited by this. You, you've received this precious document. You're living in the first century. You receive this precious document and you're a scribe. You're going to copy it. And you should have stopped when the sun went down. No, I, I can't. I, this is so wonderful. I'm going to light a little oil lamp. Is that an o Omega or is that an Omicron? I, I, uh, it's an Omicron. Oh, and then I should go to bed. I'm so tired, but I can't stop doing this. And oh, oh, where was I? Oh, I was down there. And you leave out an entire section or you add an entire section and your copy is given to some rich person who just loves the Lord. And he makes 20 copies, which would have been terribly expensive. You know, uh, one scroll of the, the Torah, the law, can I think it can cost $40,000 now, maybe more. Uh, that price between twenty and forty thousand, depending on the size uh, and quality of the Torah, I heard that years ago. It, they're phenomenally expensive. You got to kill a flock of sheep to get the parchment for it, and you got to pay scribes to write it. And so I'm going to make. I'm fabulously wealthy. I want the world to hear about Jesus. I'm going to. I'm going to sponsor twenty copies of the New Testament, and I get this wonderful copy that was copied by someone who copied it from Luke. But he fell asleep and left out a whole section or he he got distracted and put in a little section. And that means that that bad copy that that friend of St. Luke's made now has had 20 children. And those 20 copies will go on to have 100 more copies and down through the ages. And so that mistake becomes permanent. It is thought that the phrase, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever, was not in the original text of Scripture, but it was from a liturgical text and was added to the Our Father because that's the way the Our Father was said in a certain place. And so the, the copies that stem from the Byzantine Codex have that in, copies that stem from other, uh, other uh, manuscripts of the, the Holy Scriptures don't have it. This is called the science of pepperology to figure out what the oldest and best papyruses were. And it's very difficult. So I hope that explains it, that, that it is, well, that's, that's horrible. Cause that means we don't have the Bible. We don't have a perfect Bible. No, we don't. 
That's why God gave one of the reasons God gave us a church because the church, remember, is the pillar of truth. We read in St. Paul's first letter to the to, to Timothy. Oh, by the way, the voice in my head just whispered, plenty of lines open at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. So I, I hope that explains, uh, Dylan, the problem with manuscript copying. As I was saying, that um, the wonder isn't that, that the <laughs> the Bible isn't a perfect copy of the original. The wonder is that it is so very good. When they dug up the the Dead Sea Scroll of Isaiah, almost I think it's the complete scroll of Isaiah, it was astonishing how few variants there were in it from the modern text that we have. But they're still there. Okay, I hope that helps. And that's one of the problems with Sola Scriptura, really. All right. Um, Father, this is from an anonymous person. You said the devil wants us to feel holy, but God wants us to be holy. Is this a quote by someone else, or did you come up with this wise saying? If it's a wise saying, chances are I didn't come up with it. The only wise sayings I've come up with are food and music should not hurt, and a bishop never sees an empty church. So those are my the only two proverbs that I contribute to the to the uh, to the uh, fund of human knowledge. No, that was C.S. Lewis who came up with that. All right. Let me see. All right. Um, oh, good grief. I'm torn between praying the rosary and the rosary of Our Lady of Sorrows, which concentrates on Our Lady's seven sorrows. Is one more preferable? No, one is not. Uh, the the, the rosary. Pray them both. Pray one in the morning. Pray one in the evening. Um, the the standard rosary is... is uh, is more common, and uh, that's what we would pray together. But um, I think that I don't know that you can say that one is better than the other. What what is God leading you to? Um, this is a very important thing that that the the we're attentive to the Lord. So this this um, chaplet or rosary of the seven sorrows, um, it's. Uh, well, it 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 was initiated by Saint Bridget of Sweden, and um, you meditate on. Well, it's you do seven Hail Marys and uh, sign of the cross. Uh, you start with sign of the cross, three Hail Marys, and then uh, you meditate on the prophecy of Simeon, the flight to Egypt, the loss of Jesus in the temple. Mary uh, meets Jesus on his way to Calvary. Mary stands at the foot of the cross. Jesus is taken down from the cross, the burial of Jesus. It's a very beautiful prayer. Um, uh, it involves the repetition of Hail Marys, which I always say are quoting the scriptures to do battle with the devil. I, you know, when you're praying with other people who want to say the rosary, say the rosary. If it's more meaningful to you to say the 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 um, uh, seven, the sorrow, the seven, the rosary of the the seven sorrows, then, then pray it. I mean, these are both, I know this upsets people when I say it, but they're, they're private devotions. I mean, they're not, they're not part of the deposit of faith though. Well, how can they be private when, you know, the, the blessed mother said Fatima? Then, yeah, those are, those are people that those things are outside the revelation of scripture and the deposit of faith. That doesn't mean they're not important. I, I, 
have gotten very devoted to the rosary, the regular rosary. I've never, I've never actually prayed the seven sorrows rosary, but I've become very devoted to the, the rosary, uh, the standard rosary in my life. So my suggestion is that if someone wants to say the rosary with you, say the rosary, the standard five decade rosary. Um, if you're on your own and it means something to you, say the seven sorrows rosary. You are not obliged to say either, but you do have the wonderful a gift of being able to say either or both. That's a thought. All right. So I hope that helps a little. Let me let me see one more letter here. I think I can I can do. Let's see here. Um, so, okay, this is from. Oh, okay. I say the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day, but my problem is perplexing. Maybe you can offer a solution. I'm not always able to say the chaplet at 3 p.m. As most reading material suggests, I still say it even if it's 10 p.m. at night or 2 in the morning. Am I losing out on a benefit? No, you are not losing out on a benefit. The point is we're praying it in solidarity with uh, uh, um, uh, with Christ's the hour of his suffering on the cross, which was at 3 p.m. But if you can't say it, then God is not going to punish you again. It's a private devotion, a beautiful one, but it is not, again, it is not part of the deposit of faith. That really upsets people when I say that, but it's still true. You know, it's three o'clock somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, um, well, if I'm in California, should I, and I, but my home is in Illinois, should I pray it at 3 p.m. Illinois time or should I pray at California? Let us not be silly. It's three o'clock in the afternoon somewhere. I've heard this applied to happy hour. Don't apply it to happy hour. Apply it <laughs> to the hour of divine mercy and pray it when you can. It's pleasing to God. All right. Let us go to a break. We will come back with a word of the day. And again, the phones are quite open at 884 <laughs> 888-914-9149. Today, we'd like to thank Deborah, who's listening in California for donating her 1986 Volkswagen Jetta. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. The present generation. That's of the. That's oh yes. Things are so much better since the dawning of the age of Aquarius, aren't they? That was the mantra of my youth. Oh yes. And then there was up up with people. It was all going to be wonderful. Hmm. What happened? I don't know. It didn't work. That you know when we try to you know Jesus told us how to do it about two thousand years ago, and he's been talking about it ever since. And we keep trying to improve on things that can't be improved on. I mean, you know, I, oh, I'm off on a, a tangent now, darn it. But, you know, when Jesus looked at Jerusalem and wept and said, I would have gathered you under my wings like a like a hen gathers her chicks. And, uh, you know, 
We didn't hear them then. We're not hearing them now. And we had come up with all these wonderful movements to, to make everything better when, well, as we read in Micah today, you know what is right, oh man, to walk humbly, to love justice and to, and, and mercy. Okay, let enough with that. You know, I think sometimes God is much too simple for the complicated human mind to ever understand. But that said, let's go to the word of the day. Where did I put the word of the day? The word of the day is a fun one. Jesus calls people uh, in the reading. If I can find where I put the reading. He says um, in the gospel, he, he calls them fools. Uh, um, uh, 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 you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. I was curious as to what that word fool was. And uh, um, uh, uh, it really is a word, it's afron, which means someone who's not understanding, a senseless person. Oh, you senseless person. You know, and I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful thing because we are kind of senseless. We keep thinking, we keep trying to reinvent the wheel and and the round shape really does work. So, you know, I, I just wonder about all these these schemes to make everything wonderful. Well, the only scheme I know to make things wonderful is Christ. And, you know, people say, well, Christianity hasn't. Oh, yeah. It was a G.K. Chesterton who said Christianity hasn't failed. It simply hasn't been tried. Where it has been tried, it's done a lot of good. Even in the Middle Ages, you know, oh, the medieval church was just bad. No, it wasn't bad. It was wonderful. The, they invented the peace of Christ. Uh, all those knights charging about Europe, while well, they weren't allowed to make war in Advent or Lent or during Holy Week or during Easter Week or during the 12 days of Christmas. They weren't allowed to, to uh, assault civilians. They could only go around banging on each other. Um, and there were, you know, and, and if, if some duke or baron or somebody uh, violated the peace, of, the peace of God, he would be excommunicated and his retainers would not have to give him service anymore. They took it seriously and it, it made Europe a better place. It created the idea that there, is, there are unjust wars. Um, I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, the just war theory is, what well, can war be just? It was never considered before Christianity that wars could be unjust. You know, uh, some people might maintain that Buddhism uh, might have taught that, and they, they were remarkably nonviolent. But Christianity talked about the just war, implying that there are wars, most wars, that are unjust. And, you know, this idea of total war, this is a modern idea. So... You know, Christianity, when it has been applied, has done great good. So let's apply it a little more. I'm just talking out of my, out of my head here. Let us go to uh, phone calls. That's what we're going to go to. There is something the matter with your fin. No, it's fine. It's fine. Marcos, who's calling in from Chicago, what can I do for you? Hi, Father. I want to know where in the Bible is the word Catholic. You had said it was in Matthew in its original language. Well, it's oh yeah, it's all it's actually all over the place. Uh, the the uh, uh, let's see, let me pull this up. Um, um, hold on. Okay, go preach the gospel. To okay, you can hear the little things clicking away. That means, as you know, I'm only the Reverend Know It All. It's in uh, Mark. Okay, when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, he's, he's 
talking that he's saying that the gospel is is for everyone. And, uh, you know, different people think the gospel is just for us. The word Catholic is a Greek word, and it means uh, throughout the whole world. Holos uh, is whole in Greek, and kata is throughout. So katholikos means throughout the whole world. So when Jesus tells them to go preach the gospel to all the creation, he's saying, he, he's saying that the church is a universal church. That's what the word Catholic means, universal. And the first person to use the express word Catholic used it about 90, well, it was used around 80, 90 AD, first in Antioch, where they talked about the universal church. But the idea of going into the whole world is is where the idea of Catholic comes up. Does that help, Marco? Thank you. You're welcome. God bless. And, and it's really in there. Let's go to John, who's calling in from Dayton, Ohio, one of our new stations. Dayton, how are you doing? Uh, doing okay. Uh, I just wanted All right, uh, good. to ask you about uh, the first uh, part of the second book of Samuel, where uh, mm-hmm. a messenger who was an allied soldier of David came up to him, and uh, for some reason or other, he told him a lie. And even though he was an allied soldier, David took out his sword and uh, killed him. Do you uh, remember that from your seminary uh, studies? No. If you could give me the exact citation, I would be able to find it. Do you, do you have oh, an exact well, it's, quote it's from right, it? It's right. Uh, I've, I've got my Bible here, but I've, I'm not turned to that page. Uh, yeah, it's right at the book, of, the second book of Samuel, right at the beginning somewhere. Oh, it's when uh, the, the, the death of Saul. That's what it is. Yeah, after the death of Saul, yeah. David returned. Was that yes, the message, yes. The death of Saul. Yeah. I have escaped from the Israelite camp. Uh, tell me, the men fled from the battle, and uh, the, this happened on Mount Gilboa. And the soldier is saying, "I killed Saul. That's why he did it." He said, "Who are you? I'm an Amalekite." And now this is very interesting because the the uh, uh, Saul was told to to slay the Amalekites because of their practices. And he didn't. He, he, he didn't kill all the Amalekites. He brought them back to his capital and was going to slay them there so that he got the political clout from it. And it's interesting because one of these Amalekites actually was the one who killed him. He didn't do what God had told him to do, and there the Amalekite killed him. But he, David... Uh, 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 killed him because he had killed the king and he had no right to do that. The scripture says, touch not the Lord's anointed. Uh, Weren't you afraid to lift your hand and destroy the Lord's anointed? And David said, strike him down. In other words, he had violated uh, the sacredness of, of God's anointing. Now, that seems pretty, pretty strict to us, pretty excessive, but these things were important uh, in, in, in the development of Israel. Now, just because it's in the Bible doesn't say that God willed it, but that's why David did it. You've got to remember, David was a man after God's own heart because he could repent. He did lots of terrible things. And it's very interesting. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean we should do it. But that was the reason that David killed him. He had killed the king. That would be like he'd assassinated the president. Um, hang him. That, that's why. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that uh, pretty much answers it. And uh, just want to let you know that uh, 
we've got some fall colors here in southwestern Ohio, uh, but there's a background oh, yeah. of green because we have a drought and the trees uh, oh. get down to the water. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, that's true. Thank you for answering my It's looking my pretty question. good, Ryan. Well, God bless, and I'm honored that you called in, John. God bless, and we'll talk to you again. Okay. Let's go to David. God bless. Let's go to David from Mesa, Arizona. David, Father. what can I do for you? Yes. Yes. Um, I guess it relates to uh, the different um, devotions that seem to come up. I want to just worship, uh, you know, go to church on Sundays, pray, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just do that and be a good Catholic. But there's yeah. all these different devotions. All these different um, devotions, yes. <laughs> yes. And it just seems uh, it complicates things, and I feel guilty for not, uh, doing ah. them, and ah. in certain senses, certain sense, it's like people who also don't pray the rosary. Uh, pretty much, it you know, they don't go to heaven. Kind the, of thing. I'm going to give you permission right now to stop feeling guilty. <laughs> you know that there's the the you're at a great smorgasbord, a great buffet, and there's all these wonderful things to eat, and you can't eat all of them. Go down the buffet and say, oh, that looks good. Maybe I'll have a little of that. I don't like that one. This is something that people are not going to want to hear. We are not, for instance, uh, uh, um, uh, required to say the rosary. Now, I highly recommend it. As I say, I've gotten really into the rosary in my old age. But we are commanded by Scripture to call the Blessed Mother blessed. All generations shall call me blessed. We have to have some devotion to the Blessed Mother. It's in the Bible. But the devotion you have to her, it's up to you. Whether it's the seven sorrows, or just saying a Hail Mary, or or even just saying the morning offer, which mentions the Blessed Mother, or just saying, Mary, I love you. Looking at a beautiful picture of the Blessed Mother would be devotion to the Blessed Mother. What form that devotion takes is up to you. And short of obeying the Ten Commandments and the precepts of the Church, which tell you to, to be charitable and to participate in your faith regularly, you know, the basic the basic rules of Catholicism are very simple. Uh, um, so don't let people guilt you. Oh, you, you don't love God because you're not in, in my movement. Nonsense. You know, that was always the thing that made me crazy about the, the you know, and I've been involved with the charismatic renewal since its beginning. But I remember some deacon saying the charismatic renewal is more important than your family. It most certainly was not. <laughs> you know, that I would tell them the more important than, than any religious experience is your sacramental commitment. And your wife and children or your husband and children are a sacramental commitment. They come before going to the prayer meeting, going to the team meeting, going to this meeting, that meeting. I knew so many kids who were orphaned by the devotion of their parents to this movement or that movement. And that's not what Christianity is about. It's 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 about walking simply and humbly with, with God. So don't feel guilty when it's, oh, you got to come to this. Say, nah, not my thing. Oh, but but God wants you there. He hadn't mentioned a thing to me about it. Does this making a little sense to you? Uh, yes, Father. Yeah, you know, I mean, you go to mass on Sunday and go to mass whenever you can. Daily mass is an option too. That's another thing to fall in love. With. But you're not required to. It's a wonderful thing to do. You should do it, but you're not required to do it. You know, uh, the the Sunday mass we have an obligation. We have an obligation to pray daily. We have an obligation to obey the Ten Commandments and to live charitably, helping the poor in the church. That's That kind of sums it up. You know, and occasionally we have an obligation to fast, like on Fridays in, in Lent. 
So I hope that helps, David. It's, you know, our faith is really very simple and, and people like to make it complicated. So don't let them guilt you. Say, if the Lord jumps up and says, you know, David, I bet you'd really like this. If, if the Holy Spirit's driving you to that, then give it a shot. But don't let people say, you have to be in my movement or you're really not, you're not as good as I am. No, you may be better. Does that help, David? Yes. Good, good. Hang in there. Hang in there. Like I said earlier, God is much too simple for the complicated human mind to ever understand. All right. Thanks for calling in, David. God bless. Let's go to Elizabeth from Shakopee, Minnesota. No, Elizabeth. We'll go to, to, to Dan from New Brighton, Minnesota. Dan, are you with us? Um, I had a question about uh, ashes with Ash Wednesday. So yes. say you accidentally um, wipe your forehead after you received them and you got them on your yeah. fingers. What do you do about it? Like, do you just wash them off in the sink, or do you guys wash your have hands. to just no, wash, wash your them hands? off? Wash your hands in any sink. They're not they're not particularly sacred beyond their use. You see, things that are blessed, in a sense, you're not blessing the thing as much as you are blessing the use of it. So, for instance, when a rosary is fallen apart and is no longer useful as a rosary, it ceases to be a rosary and therefore is no longer blessed. Now, I don't know most Catholics who really can. I can't even go with that. I put it in a drawer and forget about it. Every, every Catholic house has a sacred drawer where all the broken statues, pamphlets, and rosaries go. But you, you can throw them out because they're not sacred in themselves. They're sacred in their use. And the same is true of the ashes, that they're, they're a sign. And we didn't even use ashes till probably the Middle Ages, you know. So it's kind of a modern thing for, for Catholics. Yeah, you don't worry about it. And if, if you, you know, just wash them off. Big okay. Deal. Does that help? Good to know. All that right. yeah, it does. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good, good. God bless, Dan. Let's God go to bless. D from Northern Amen. Let's go to D from Northern Carolina. Are you with us, D? I, yes, Father, but I'm from Northern California. Oh, California. What did I say? Carolina. It was one of those sea yeah. states. All right. Oops. What can, go on. Go well, on. Father, I had the honor of praying the rosary with you that you led last evening, and you oh. said something that touched my heart deeply when you said, when we hold the beads of the rosary, it's like holding the hand of our Blessed Mother. I had never heard that before. And, of Isn't course, lovely? on Sunday evening, you can't call. And I wasn't going to let today end when I woke up this morning <laughs> and I thought, I don't know if I'll get through, but I'm going to make a point. Because I do listen to your show, you Father. I, oh, you're bless. a profound uh, man of God. <laughs> oh, yes. I, prof profound, yes. <laughs> oh, I try to live deeply on the surface of things. But you're right. It's beautiful. I, you know, this morning I said my rosary. I didn't have a rosary on me. And I said it on my fingers. And I thought, oh, I wish I had a rosary. It's like holding the hands of the Blessed Mother. That wasn't my saying. I heard it from Maggie. And I can't remember who Maggie. I think I heard it from Maggie. And I can't remember who Maggie heard it from. But it's still beautiful. And I'll... I'll swipe it because it's so good. Speaking of things beautiful, Drew is coming up, and he's going to pray the chaplet, which also is a beautiful thing. 